fire extinguisher. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the Texas Triangle NBA podcast. Uh, we had a really good Jimmy Buffett joke in our first take, um, but it just didn't work out. <laughs> so uh, we'll put it in the title. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get it. Just just read the title. Um, anyways, here with Eric, as uh, as we are every week to talk some Texas NBA. Yeah. Uh, it has been a tough week. I would say maybe for all three fan bases, especially Spurs and Rockets fans. Definitely. Uh, so how you doing? I'm hanging in there, hanging yeah. in there. The last game was as heartbreaking as it may have been. A bit of a, a little shot in the arm to give me a little bit of hope moving forward, though. I will say that that Knicks game was 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 a positive showing overall. I would say, minus some curious curious things down the stretch that we'll get to later on. But how about yourself? How are you hanging in there? I am doing okay. I feel like I'm at peace for the first time this season. That's good. Uh, I think I finally got some much-needed perspective on things. And, uh, you know, I'm just my overall stress level is a little bit lower. Good. It's better for my mental health. So um, I don't know any Mavs fans personally, so I don't know how they're feeling. But um, <laughs> Kovar is uh, a little bit bummed about the Luka injury. Yeah. But overall, optimistic. From now, from now on, for this pod, you should just like get three takes from Kovar and like put them in your notes. <laughs> <laughs> Record them on the phone and just play it into the microphone for you guys every week. I'm down. I'm down. He'd be down too. Right. Oh, Clippers out to a double-digit lead. Sorry, we have the Mav stream going on in the background. I'm sorry if I ADD just randomly burst out with a highlight every now and then. Yeah. Man. So, uh, what? Where, where do you want to start? Um, let's start in, uh, well, honestly, do you want to get, get Mavs not out of the way because we would never be so bold and, and <laughs> flippant about the Mavs, but you want to go ahead and, and hit them first this week? I feel like we never do that. Yeah. And, since they're yeah, fresh cool. on our mind right now and just are, to yep. get a few Mavs takes in. So, um, right now they are currently playing without Luka Doncic. They are. They're looking surprisingly good, and it looks like KP's kind of getting his confidence back. They're not necessarily <clears throat> winning the games, but it, it's still, I think, what you want to see as a Mavs fan. Yeah, physically, he looks better this season. He looks like he has a little more explosion back. Yep. Uh, he's still a total sieve defensively. Complete turnstile, yes. Uh, yeah. The, the 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 Porzingis that they had in New York, who was a, a monster rim protector and three-point shooter, that hasn't been the guy in Dallas. And maybe, maybe you know, Chris Tepps was never actually that guy. Maybe he was just doing crazy shit on a bad New York team. Maybe. Um, but, I mean, they're getting a better player this season. Definitely, especially in the three-point sense. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, kids – grand scheme idea to fix this team's offense was to add post-ups from Porzingis to the mix. Um, I don't know. Post-ups are always going to kind of make me roll my eyes if I'm being honest. Not, There's not so few just players. Porzingis post-ups though. Like he's giving Dorian Finney-Smith ISO possessions and yep. just like wacky shit. That's yep. just not conducive to, um, you know, effective NBA offense and they yeah. have they have Luka Doncic and they have some other good guys like Brunson and definitely they're gonna have a, a you know at a, at a very minimum average offense for sure uh, just because they have those yeah. guys yeah so uh I don't know I don't like what I've seen from the Jason Kidd experiment um it just 
he hasn't grown much intellectually and uh, in terms of just um, grasping the modern NBA, even from the last time he had a job in Milwaukee. I think I agree. Um, I don't really see... I mean, he seems more even keeled from a personality standpoint, I would say. Um, he doesn't seem quite so just off the rails. Like he kind of <laughs> seemed when he was at his previously at his previous stops, but I don't see much growth X's and O's wise for sure. And I see him using a lot of kind of antiquated, weird, uh, weird sets, like you said. Yeah. And it's something we haven't touched on, but I remember reading this after the Rockets game. We the the Mavs played the Rockets and they played all of their players on the bench. And after the game, it was reported that their, quote, three-person leadership council had told Kidd, or they had decided, I guess Kidd is one of the three. I think it's Kidd, Cuban, probably Nico, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe Kidd, Nico, uh, Dirk. Yeah. I don't know if it's what the the, the makeup of this, or, but there's a three-person leadership organization at the top of the Mavs right now that are making all of the decisions right down to who plays in games. So... Mm -hmm. I, I wonder how much of this is uh, is kid a figurehead there maybe or is is it like a McHale kind of situation in Houston where it's really Daryl's offense and Daryl's team or is it what's what's going on I don't know what's going on or what are the implications of this whole weird three person leadership crew thing I don't counsel sorry I feel like you can definitely see Jason Kidd's fingerprints on what the Mavs are doing mm -hmm. on both ends of the floor I think some of the stuff with Porzingis. Uh, you know, it it maybe has helped him uh, regain some of the confidence he lost last season, even if it's not, you know, the optimal use of Porzingis. Yep. Or the optimal set to run on yeah, offense yeah. in general. Yeah, but but I think that the, the mental impact there would still be helpful. Yeah, and I, I agree there. I, I still think um, the big things with this Mavs team are what they're missing around on the margins, essentially, mm -hmm. like guys like Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith. I don't think those are the role players you want to rock with going into the postseason. I don't either. I, they definitely they've had their moments in the NBA, and they can definitely still be very effective. I still think Kleba's still a pretty good defensive player. He can knock down open threes and do, you know, some things. Yeah, so. he's a, he's a he's a fine bench piece, but yep. I just think they they are missing some things around the, the margins, I think they're missing a really good three and D player. Mm -hmm. I think more so than even a second star, that's something they need. Yep. And I think those guys are available this season for the first time in a while. Like you could go get a Covington or a Danny green, you know, definitely those guys are uh, in when now situations gone horribly awry. Yeah. yeah those guys are definitely available. Honestly, um, Hey, and, and call me a, a salesman here, but uh, Eric Gordon, <laughs> Eric Gordon. You know what? Gordon would fit nicely. I, they do have a, a glut of like six, five wings on this roster, but they don't have a guy who brings the skill set exactly that Eric Gordon does. Mm -hmm. I like the fit of Gordon with Doncic. I do too. He's, he's already fit with Harden fairly yeah. well. Um, you know, they obviously worked better away from each other, but that's kind of the beauty of pairing an Eric Gordon with a James Harden or a Luka Doncic type is that he, he fills the void of those minutes when he's on the bench quite nicely. They just need a, a more prominent uh, perimeter defensive presence. Even if they can get by, you know, in the regular season, I think they just need a guy who's a little bit more capable of um, 
I'm sorry. They just cut to Kawhi Leonard, like close up of him, and he just immediately like had the hugest yawn go out. Like it was awesome. It was so Kawhi. All right, my bad. Yeah, but anyways, Eric Gordon would be nice. Just some someone like that. Yep. Um, I, I you know, I like I said, I think I think more guys like that are going to be available. But um, what else are we seeing with this team? Man. I saw an interesting question raised, and it's not, I don't know, I feel bad. This might not be the ideal timing to discuss this point with him being on the shelf, but it was basically a a side-by-side of all the splits for Luka year two versus now in year four, Mm -hmm. and it was identical almost, literally identical. Um, And so uh, I'm wondering, is it a fair question to ask, how high is this perceived ceiling that everybody seems to think for Luca exists? Like, is there, is there really a lot of room to go from here or is this going to be Luka Doncic? Like, and, and is that okay? Of course it's okay. He's top five probably, but yeah. And I mean, we've, we've posed this question before on this pod, Yeah. but the thing is Luca is already a top five player and you know, in his best moments, he's the best player in the world. Yep. So if this is his ceiling, this is who he is, that's good enough. I agree. And I think he has a much more diversified game than um, some of the comps, and we talked about this last mm-hmm. week. I, I think he is good enough to be, uh, you know, option A with a bullet on a on a championship team. Yeah. I, and I don't think that's so obvious. That's such an obvious thing to say. but Definitely. I mean, since but we're having it, this discussion. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I know. And and. And if that's his ceiling, quote unquote, and he's quote already there, well then, good on him. That's yeah. one of the highest fucking ability, like ceilings of of all. So yeah, yeah he, he became a legend before he could drink legally in this country. So great for him. Honestly, I, I think that's a cool theory, cool question. Like because I do think because he's so young, yeah. a lot of people assign potential to him yeah. uh, by default. But it might not necessarily get better from here, as exciting as that might be. Be okay with that if, if you're a Mavs fan, I guess. Don't expect this incremental growth every year from Luka if, if he's already the best. And you know what? Having steady production every year and knowing exactly what you're going to get out of a guy is not a bad thing. No, not at all. There is a there's a template for having a guy like that and winning multiple championships in Tim Duncan. Like, by the time Tim Duncan was in year three of his NBA career, he was the guy who he was going to be for the rest of his career, pretty yep. much, until he got older and he had to change his game. Yep. And that that's good enough. Yeah, exactly. If you build the right team around him. Exactly. You build the right team around him and run the right offense and defense around them, which is where things might get a little dicey with this leadership council that's going on with the Mavs. But um, that being said, I feel like this is kind of a throwaway season in the in the Mavs development curve, and that I, there's going to be a lot of turnover and and changes being made, and 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 sh- striving towards that goal of building the right team around Luca. Yeah, I think anything short of a championship, and even a championship, because we know Cuban's past. Uh, whatever, really, whatever the outcome of this season is, I think we're going to see some wholesale changes with Big this time. Mavs roster. Um, I don't know what those are. They don't have you know, the greatest pool of assets ever, but. But as some of these guys come off the books, hopefully then, yep. then some avenues will open up for the, for think, the Dallas fans there. Then you just have to ask the question, well, who wants to play in Dallas? <laughs> Even as attractive as Luca is both physically and as a basketball yeah. <laughs> player, um, are you going to be able to draw people to Dallas? Good question. Yeah. 
Good question. Yeah. Um, and you got to assume Kid was kind of a move with that broader, with that in mind as well. Um, weird as it is, it mm. seems like he's pretty well liked and respected by a lot of the gener or a lot of the players of this generation. Yeah. Um, so I, they're maybe working towards that, but I think it's going to be really interesting, and I don't think you have a whole lot of room for screwing up along the way beyond uh, the one or two throwaway seasons like this one, um, where you're kind of you're fucked from the pre-Luca time, essentially, mm -hmm. of team building, and yeah. now you're you're kind of having to deal with it because Luca came along so much quicker than expected. Yep. And you know the the Mavs did this to themselves; they put a, a ceiling on this team by buying Porzingis. You know. Yep. Um, it was kind of a panic move. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, and some hopefully things will never change. <laughs> Sorry. Some things will never change. The Mavs shooting themselves in the ass like Cheddar Bob. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheddar Cuban. Cheddar, Cheddar Mark. <laughs> Damn. We're cranking out the episode titles already, man. Oh. This is good. The Mavs, the Sacramento Kings of Texas. Uh, they got the one. They got the one. They got the one. And as a Rockets fan, I can't really argue much more. I, we got two, right? And they were 20 years ago. 25. 25 years ago. 26 years ago. Damn. Damn. Crazy. I, I was one year old. I was a little baby. I was like eight or some shit. I can't remember. I think I was eight and nine, respectively, when we won our titles. It was exciting. But, man been a while since we had any kind of excitement like that besides the great Luis Scola scoring 43 points <laughs> on the then New Jersey Nets it's been a while and it's going to continue to be a while so I mean since we're there let's go ahead and yep. move on to the Rockets I suppose yeah let's do it let's do it um you know I'm not making any friends on Twitter let's just say <laughs> uh because I don't I'm not ready to give up on Steven Silas yet I think you guys are fucking crazy um, so I'm, I'm probably going to rant and rave <laughs> about Silas a little bit, but I want to first acknowledge that I'm seeing what you guys are seeing too. Like there's just some fucking weird rotation of shit yep. that's going on for sure. Um, he's clearly way too enamored with, uh, Eric Gordon and, and Daniel Tice and Chris Wood, but think about it from his perspective. Like those are supposed to be the guys that he's able to depend on and mm -hmm. rely on and look at what they do when they're on the fucking floor. It's disgraceful. Like what <laughs> Eric Gordon is doing with the basketball. Do you, okay. Tell me how Steven Silas missed that three that he had enough time to stand there, set his feet like James Harden, who just dropped Wesley fucking Johnson. Like he seriously was unguarded and the defender said, fuck it. I'm not even going to put the energy in to close out. Eric Gordon stops, looks at the hoop, looks down, looks up at the hoop again, <laughs> sizes up the shot and fucking clangs the shit from the corner. Why? What is Silas supposed to do about that? And it happens constantly. Like, E.G. or Wood will wave somebody off or completely blow past somebody who looks horribly confused because there was clearly supposed to be some kind of action or handoff there and go fucking dribble it off their <coughs> knee or try and bait some fucking contact and mm -hmm. then turn and bit, argue with the refs like Eric Gordon's been doing. Like, I just see so many off the fucking script and off the map things being done by this team that I find it difficult to say a head coach is to blame for this other than 
maybe making some rotation tweaks to get these guys in the game less. But again, it's kind of a hard, rock and a hard place because these are supposed to be his guys that are his rock. And and it's tough. Like, it's, it's, I say give him some time. I think this Knicks game was a promising, sh- a promising sign from everybody. Uh, down the stretch, it got weird, but it also, I think a lot of people are not acknowledging that when he put Jalen Green back in the game, the defense fell apart too. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of things that we were clamoring for, like Jalen Green down the stretch in the fourth quarter, that can be problematic. Like it's because mm. he's he's not there defensively yet at all, as hard as he tries. Um, so I would say I'm gonna be completely alone on Steven Silas Island, but I think you're a really, really, really short-sighted individual if you're ready to fire a coach this quick mm. into a rebuilding season. Yep. I think the question you have to ask to these people who are wanting Silas fired is what else is he supposed to do? Yes. Because playing all the young guys down the stretch is going to be a lot worse than what you're saying, and that's a shit show. Mm -hmm. I think the disappointment uh, with what's happening right now is the guys like Wood and Gordon and Tice, um, you know, I'm I'm not knocking them personally, but they were supposed to go out and be the example for not only professionals, and I'm not saying they haven't been professional off the court or whatever, but Mm -hmm. just in terms of going out there and being a model for what running NBA, competent NBA offense, being an NBA player looks like for these guys. Yep, and it's their responsibility as the vets on the team to ease, to also be the coach's voice on the floor and and to not say, I know better (laughs) than the coach is set. And, and that just sends a really bad message all around. And it makes everybody kind of doubt everything about everybody. And I don't like the uh, the lack of trust that I'm seeing from anybody that's not 20 years or younger on this team. It might and, be time to do a little more house cleaning in Houston. I think so. And maybe you're not trading the vets for young guys and picks. Maybe you're just no. getting different vets yep. who can bring in a different mentality. Um, it is a little concerning to me that the vets seem to have a bit of a disregard for silas i i agree with that completely that's where i i have my concerns with silas more so than anything is his uh, ability to to not control things because that's not how it works in the modern nba but i want him to be respected by these guys not just there you know (laughs) and maybe it's just that he's an inexperienced nba coach and they're looking at him and they're going "Who who are you yep yeah, that's fair. And also he, to a fault, has been looking to them for help. Um, so I think that that's part of a lot of it, too, is that they feel like, well, I'm as I rank as high as you because you're coming to me for advice on shit. You know? yep. And it's like, no, it's not like that, man. Like, it's just such a tough situation in Houston, the way the roster is constructed and the type of vets that Steven Silas and company have to lean on are not ideal. Um, Wood, in particular, his attitude is visibly bad a lot of the time. Um, I think it's gotten better last two games, but I think it's still there's a simmering something under the surface there a lot when he's not involved in everything. Um, Jay Sean Tate has been a fucking godsend. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's the only he's the best basketball player on the team, I think, Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And and I, I, I just I don't know, man. I think it's just such a panic button move to be like, wait, this isn't the coach. I can already tell. Just give it time. Like everything's going to take time to develop uh, uh, rotations, all of that stuff. You can't just change it on a dime. And we saw some positive movement there last game. It's just, 
It's it's gonna get there, guys. Like it's gonna fucking get there. <laughs> this is one of the most creative offensive minds the NBA has ever seen yeah. recently. So like just chill, please. Pump the brakes on the calling for this really seemingly pretty good dude's head. You mm-hmm. know, like give him some time to develop along with everybody else. You're asking me to be patient with KPJ. It's some of the ugliest fucking point guard play I've ever seen in my life, and I'm having trouble with it. So I'm asking you to please be patient with Steven Silas. It's some ugly rotations and bad coaching decisions right now, but I think it's going to get there, and I see the potential in the ceiling in him as well. There's my Silas rant. And boy, if you have a critique for KPJ, there is a contingent of Rockets Twitter that will come for your fucking throat. Dude, it's wild. He's not good. I'm sorry. No, he's not good yet. Yeah, okay, so the Silas thing... First of all, it's kind of funny because the same people who are calling for Silas's head, like you sent me this tweet last week, are the same people who are like, well, Mark Jackson's available. What the fuck? (laughs) Who's going to like what? The greatest mind in NBA history, whoever you think is the greatest mind in NBA history could not eke much more out of this Rockets roster. There's so much inexperience and you have this. Like, you have guys causing chemistry rifts like Wood. Like, you look at his body language and his effort level. He's capable of so much more. Yes, he is. He knew what he... Well, he didn't know exactly... He didn't know he was signing up for this. No, he didn't. But he was in on the offseason, and he he was all in all offseason. And and Mm. you had to know going Mm. into this season. I'm sorry. Like, and you could have very cordially gotten a trade. You could have demanded a trade this offseason if you didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. And it would have gotten done, dude, because we could have sold very high on your ass. Oh, yeah. If he had gone to Stone and said, hey, this isn't for me. I'm 27. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. You don't think Stone would have been like, fuck yeah, I'll go get two lottery picks for you from the Warriors. Amen. Yeah. Exactly. And potentially a high upside player, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm a little frustrated with the Chris Wood situation. A lot more so I'm frustrated with him and with Eric Gordon's kind of behavior than I am with uh, the Steven Silas rotation issues. Mm-hmm. I think that'll work itself out. I think bad attitudes don't do that very well. And I think that those guys maybe need to find a new home. And Daniel House, just don't get me fucking started on Daniel House, man. All of a sudden, he is as bad at basketball as he is at rapping. And (laughs) it's just, it's harsh, man. It's hard to watch. I would be in favor of outright waving him. I'm with everybody else. Or just not playing him. Just don't play him, man. Honestly, waving him seems kind of cruel and unnecessary. It's not like we don't have a roster spot to give up on this fucking team. But maybe Jalen Green should have had number four. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If we're being honest. Maybe he will very soon. Yeah. The number zero is a little played out at this point. (laughs) Yep. Damn. But uh But you know what I I back to KPGA to circle back to him. I see this team getting worse when he returns. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that it's functioning a lot more smoothly with Jalen running the point. I think Jalen has much better passing instincts and general overall just playmaking vision than KPJ does. And I think switching the two would not be an admission of defeat or on KPJ's development at all. Like, Fuck, man. Have the guy who can actually run point, run point, and have the guy who's better as a shooting guard be a fucking shooting guard. It's not... You're not saying KPJ is not good enough. You're just saying this other guy's better. Like, sorry. That's the way it was always going to be. Jalen Green was drafted to be that dude. KPJ, we rolled the dice of the second round pick to trade for who might end up being that guy. He has that potential, but Mm -hmm. he needs to put it all together. It's like... 
one's a sure thing and one's still got to figure it out and hasn't really shown signs towards that. And if anything, reading that John Lucas article, it seems like he's moving the other direction mm -hmm. as far as his mental development goes. So, um, and yeah, come for me, KG, KPJ people, but I, I am not sold and am less sold this season than I was at the end of last season for sure. So what is there to cling to about KPJ? Cause they're like that same vocal contingent of Rockets fans that are wanting Silas fired and are very critical of green. They, they seem to be more on KPJ Island than green Island. Yep. And I don't understand that. I, what, what are they seeing? I don't know. Um, I think it's a lot to do with not basketball stuff. Like I think that Scoot has really endeared himself to the fan base and to Houston. And he's done the whole Houston till I die. He posts that like yeah. once a fucking week on all his social media and he loves the city and, and Houstonians are all about that shit. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a reason that, we could be a two and an 80 at the end of the season. And if, if, well, now he's a player development coach on the team that should show you how much we love this kind of stuff. But Gerald green was being, they were clamoring for Gerald to get a roster spot last season. You know, like they, this is the same kind of fan that's uh, clinging to KPJ. And, and a lot of people 51, he had 51 points and 11 assists. Drew holiday was guarding him, you know? And it's like the bucks were not trying to win. The Bucks were not even trying, um, and and KPJ was stupid hot that night, and he mm -hmm. hasn't been since. Weird shit <laughs> happens. Once, yes. Yeah. Corey Brewer did it. Yeah. So without the assists, but which are damn impressive. But again, has that happened since? When was the last time he cracked ten? And when was the last time he cracked eight? And without six turnovers to go oh. along with it. So I'm I I also didn't know his hip injury had been lingering this long. Um, I'm willing to give him a little bit of slack and see how it goes when he gets back at full health. Um, I'm not going to give up on KPJ. He's still my dude. I'm really uh, rooting for him. Obviously not rooting against any of these players because it's my team. But I am at a low point in my hopes for KPJ's uh, tra trajectory to, to superstardom like we thought was a possibility early on. Right now, it doesn't look like he's on a great trajectory to even role player them. Mm -mm. Um, so we've done a lot of ranting. Yes. Me especially. Sorry. Um, let's, let's look at some positives for this roster. Let's do it. Uh, one bright, shining, gleaming spot has been Alper and Shangun. Wow. Let's, let's yeah. hear some good things about Alper and Shangun. Dude, I cannot say enough about Al, Al P, the Ali P show. I'm working on a, a mm. Photoshop where mm. he's on, on the Ali G's <laughs> body. But, Ali uh, P. <laughs> yeah, the Ali P show. But um, I'm like, I'm blown away by his defensive um, both instincts and ability instant, like immediately to come in and play defense at an NBA level when mm. it was kind of looking like that wasn't really his bag even overseas, you know? Right. And so it's cool to see that he knew that was a knock on him coming over here and decided to work on that. Um, I love that in spite of not playing enough by everybody's obvious eye, mm -hmm. uh, he hasn't been complaining and all he's been preaching is that we need to play better team basketball. We need to play more team basketball. Um, his attitude's been great. His body language has been great. His effort levels through the fucking roof. He Very has his rebounds. Yeah. Um, and he makes, uh, I wish he was a little bit more sure of his three-point shot. That's all. Like, I see him line up some wide open threes, and you can tell he really wants to shoot it. Yeah. But he's, he's gun shy for some reason. And uh, I wish he would just let it fly more often. 
but that, that's so far from a critique. Yeah. Uh, dude, I can't say enough, man. His passing, his vision, he's just inc- he's such a good basketball player at such a young age. Yeah, and I've got to hold myself accountable for some of the things that I said about Shangun before the draft. Again, I was terrified the Spurs were going to take him. I was convinced that he's the second coming of Ennis Cantor. Yep. He's not. No. It's, it's wow. Um, he is he's a heady defender. He, he uses his hands really well, his hands and yep. his feet. He doesn't rely on being able to beat guys to spots. He just knows where he's supposed to be. Yes. His intelligence is through the roof. He Big can time. do a lot of really... He does almost everything on offense that you want from a modern big. Yep. Um, good rebounder. I think the shooting is going to, you know, it's going to be there in his career. He's yes. a really, really underrated passer, too. Incredible passer, yeah. man. Especially underneath. Um, I still want to see Garuba at some point. Me too, man. Um, Who, but, by the way, went six. I think he went six for six in his uh, Rio, Rio yeah. Grande Valley debut. He, like, dominated. I kind of like, I, theoretically, I like the fit of those two guys together long term. Me too. Um, Wood and Shangun are phenomenal yeah. together, honestly. They fit very nicely. A lot better than Wood and Thai and, and Tice, that's for sure. Thice. I, s- <laughs> I still think there's potential for Shangun to be a guy that gets exploited, not like in the pick and roll, but he's just like not quite big enough. Mm. You know, that's there. And, Big you know, time. there aren't a lot of teams in the NBA that can punish that anymore. But they're there and you'll yeah. run into them in the playoffs for sure. And we've definitely seen it in San Antonio where you have, have a guy who's like not just not quite big enough to deal with the elite centers and it it hurts yes it's Um, hard to watch man not i I mean i shouldn't even be comparing shangun to fucking drew eubanks because they're not in the same league (laughs) uh so i better walk that back too um but yeah i just i just i really wanted to uh hold myself accountable on the shangun thing so (laughs) you will always find that from us if we ever say anything that comes out totally wrong a few weeks later we will own the shit out of that I, I, i'm a, i'm appreciative of of neither one of us being a bill simmons that's like no oh, no i didn't say that <laughs> or well what i meant was actually this i can't believe you didn't understand that <laughs> but uh no yeah I, i'm i'm yeah i'm blown away blown away by shingun man i'm so excited to watch his his development curve honestly at this point more exciting than green but only because it's so surprising like Jalen green is right where he's supposed to be even i would even call him ahead of schedule the way that he's strung the last three games together i need to give him props he is that dude he's gonna be that dude for us and man the way like watching lou dort defend him or like these guys that had kind of locked up James because James is a kind of methodical, slow dude. It was cool to see Jalen be like, bam, first step could get right past him. And then it was on like the elite defenders couldn't get, he's fast enough to get around mm. them first. And and that's something that James never had. And that I think is going to be really cool to see him kind of develop. Um, I want to give a, a huge shout out to his post game comments after the Knicks as well. Like he had a huge long quote about how great the first three quarters were with ball movement and with driving and kicking and with executing coach Silas's plan. Everybody, you remember when we were winning most of that game and then uh, Eric (laughs) Gordon and and Chris Wood started running ISOs themselves every play. Um, So they, and he basically was in without sounding as though he's calling anybody out or attacking the vets. He was basically saying, this is not what we need to be doing down the stretch. We need to play better as a team. 
He wasn't saying, I need the ball more. Mm -hmm. He was saying, I'm starting to feel more comfortable as a leader, and I'm going to start telling these guys this stuff. And I was like, man, it's really cool to hear him. He's a perfect blend of confidence and knowing he needs to work on stuff. And I don't, I don't, I've, I haven't seen it yet because it's always been with Harden. The confidence was a facade. Uh, it was clearly there to hide when he was unsure of himself. Um, with Kobe, it was a, a disorder, you know, frankly, uh, with him and Jordan, both, it was the, yeah. the, a frightening confidence. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this is like a cool grounded, but still incredibly sure of himself and mature young man. And it's, fucking awesome and i think we should all be grateful and and not just looking at what other teams draft picks are doing and seeing if it's better than ours or not yeah. but i think we got to keep her guys uh, i really do from an attitude standpoint and everything yeah so but we'll see i could be totally wrong and i'll be the in yeah. six weeks from now owning the take uh, <laughs> i'm sorry about what i said about jalen green he's an asshole but no, he's, <laughs> I, I think, I think Rockets fans to wrap up my long winded shit here. Uh, I think we need to stay patient with coach. And I think that Jalen green is just going to keep on impressing us mm -hmm. and Shingun and Tate and green and KJ is a really fun kind of core. I feel I see emerging with this mm -hmm. team. Yeah. I'm looking at when I look at this roster and it's the same thing that I do with the Spurs roster is I, I go who on this team is going to still be here in five years. Yes. And I see Changun unquestionably. I think Green's going to get there. I do too. Guards take a while. They it, do. It takes a while to figure it out on both ends. And, you know, even in year three, it's still going to be a, a, a learning curve. That's just the way it is. Yep. Um, I'm still a Garuba believer. Me too. I'm a Christopher believer. I think those Big two guys, time. Garuba and Christopher, fit really nicely with Green and Changun. I think this draft was really expertly done mm -hmm. in that in two years, it could be put into a complete line. It's a yeah. lineup, you know, these you, four you, players you could just slot in yeah. together. You might have four of your five starters in one draft straight up. That's yeah. a very, very plausible situation. And, and yeah, Raph stone is the man. So then all you're missing is that, that last guy, probably, you know, a big wing yep. and maybe that's a, or a point guard, maybe yeah. oh, damn it. Please maybe a point guard. Yeah, I mean, and we don't we don't really know what Christopher is going to be. True. Yeah. So, and I think I think Green's destiny is going to be a lead guard. You know, maybe not the pure point guard that you need to slow things down, but he's going to be, you know, a guy with a thirty percent usage rating. I was going to say I still career. see him yeah. in that Luca Harden kind of role where he brings the ball up every most of the time and 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 initiates the action, even if he's not the point guard, quote unquote. Yeah, I think he's going to be more of a scoring minded guy rather than a um, distributor mm -hmm. and that could come. I'm not saying it's not going to come, but I just, but, I see him more as like a, a bucket getter yes. right now, but who knows what, what it could be. His passing instincts over the last <clears throat> week have really shown flashes to me. Um, and that's an element that I really didn't expect. Um, I want to say a couple games ago, I think he had 11 potential assists, mm -hmm. but only he'll finish funny part. <laughs> Best part of watching Rockets games, guys. And, and again, what, how is Silas going to fix this? He's generated 11 wide open shots and finished with two assists. Mm. <laughs> so, God, <laughs> dude, it's just, yeah. it's rough. It's rough going right now with this team. But I do think there are signs of encouragement. And I think that both of us were a little bit <clears throat> low on uh, baby Kmart. The baby section at Kmart, uh, I think, is uh, Kevin Kenyon Martin Jr. is going to be a, 
a really good role player. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I, I'm trying to not fall into the muck with the rest of you guys. Like this is going to be hard and we're going to lose a lot of fucking games and it's going to be embarrassing a lot of the time, but it's something that we need to stick with. And it's something that all of us can look back on in five years, hopefully together be like, holy shit, remember when we won three games? <laughs> like, but no, it's gonna it's gonna be fine. Trust trust in Papa Stone. He knows what's up. I yep. wish I was I wish I would see him publicly a little more like we did with Daryl though. Like with I really hot wish ass wife. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is this is gonna <laughs> keep it. coming up every time we bring up Papa <laughs> Stone. But uh, I wish I would like right now the whole fan base is turning on the fucking coach that we have tabbed as the guy for the future. It would be kind of cool for the GM to be like Coach Silas is a fucking guy. I yeah. think he's doing a great job. Here's yeah. why. Yeah, I just think he could work on stuff like that. That's my only critique for Raphael, Raphael Stone. But roster building wise and draft, man, he's smoking it, I think. And and man, those Nets picks are looking better and better by the day. That Bucks pick is looking fantastic after that Giannis GQ article. Um, <laughs> ev- everything long term is setting up nice for the Rockets. Um you know, they're all making fun of us for our high water pants now. But once that basement floods, it's all going to be coming up Millhouse, guys. Trust me, just <laughs> we're, we're good. We're going to be OK. Yeah, <laughs> but let's move. Let's move on. Let's move on to the Spurs so I can shut the fuck up and, and you can get a word in edgewise. <laughs> oh, man, the Spurs. OK. <laughs> of course. We get a dog barking. Yeah. Anyways. Boo, Spurs. <laughs> yeah, it's the coyote. He's out back barking at us. <laughs> so um the Spurs, I so they they um had an over week, really tough road trip. A lot of people are feeling really down. Understandable. And I had a I had a moment of clarity after that Minnesota loss where I was like, I'm getting exactly what I want. Exactly what I've been saying I wanted for three years. <laughs> I wanted this team to tear down, um, you know, give give all of the younger guys developmental reps, which not all of them are getting developmental reps, but at least we're not watching Rudy Gay and Patty Mills chuck shots. Yep. Not that those guys aren't good players. They're contributing where they are, but, you know, it, it wasn't the right fit in San Antonio. Yes, not any longer. So I think it's important just to take a step back, uh, readjust our expectations because – Going into the season, and even through the first week of the season, I had it in my head, this team can hang. And they showed that they can hang. But they're still not talented enough. Like, when you when you go back and you look at all those close losses, you think, oh, well, this young team just didn't execute well enough down the stretch. And that's not really the case. Because even experienced teams make mistakes down the stretch. Mm-hmm. It's that the other team said, okay, we're going to put our foot on the gas now. <laughs> And the Spurs couldn't keep up. Yeah. Um, so let's let's adjust our expectations a little bit. This team is a, as of right now, record-wise, a bottom four, bottom five team in the NBA. So they're going to have a pretty good chance at getting one or two pick this season. Based well, like, on, we're going to have the worst season of all time, and Houston <laughs> and San Antonio is going to get the top yeah. pick. Watch, I could just feel some shit like that's going to go down. And there's some really enticing guys in this draft that I think would fit nicely on both rosters. So. We just need to start thinking big picture with this team because this season is going to be about from, from this point on, unless something radically changes is going to be about evaluation and getting the right guys reps. Um, 
because like like we like we did with the Rockets, um, I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking, who's going to be on this roster in five years? Mm-hmm. In five years, Derek White's going to be 32 years old. He won't be there any longer. Well, he might, but he'd be on a minimum deal or something. You know? yeah. Then I'm looking at DeJounte Murray. He's 25. He's got a couple years left on his deal. He's a clutch client. I was just going to say clutch sports, though. So he's right now in his prime. He's going to have, you know, in the NBA, you get three, four, five years of prime. Um, does he want to spend his prime and his second or his third NBA contract on a rebuilding team? Because this team is two or three years away. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does. Maybe, I mean, DeJounte Murray, you know, he, like a lot of NBA players do, he, he often touts how he's a loyal guy and he sticks with people who believed in him and the Spurs did believe in him. But on the other hand, his name got thrown around in some trade rumors. And they kind of constantly are, it seems yeah. like. Um, I don't know how much of that is fan base stoking or, or writers hypothetically doing it, but I think that there's a reason that he comes up so much. Yeah, so... DeJounte Murray, maybe he's here, maybe he's not in five years. I don't, personally, I don't know if he's going to be a part of the next good Spurs team. Mm. As much as I like him. Okay, so then let's look at Jakob Brutal. He's in very much the same situation as DeJounte Murray. They're in the same draft class. He's 25. He's in, he's in his prime. Is he going to be here in five years? I don't know. I feel like he fits in any situation. Yeah. Building or, or contending. So I could see him sticking around just because they like him. Yeah. I think both DeJounte and Jakob Pertl are very uh, plug-and-play players uh, in terms of how they've developed. And I think the Spurs could get a pretty good haul of assets for either of those guys if they wanted to. Now the Spurs don't, you know, they don't make trades even right now. Um, you know, maybe that philosophy is changing. We don't know yet. Maybe. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't know if holding on to those guys is the right move anymore, considering that this season, um, you know, it's not going to get better. Jakob Pertl, we kind of thought, okay, well, maybe Jakob Pertl is going to come back. Things are going to get better. But when you have COVID, it takes a long time. Even if you're asymptomatic, like I had COVID right before I got vaccinated, I still get winded all the time. Yep. My lungs are still inflamed all the time. Yep. Like if you listen to me do this podcast, I'm constantly going, <sighs> like, and it's because I had fucking COVID. I wasn't like that before that. Um, so... From from this point on, I'm looking at this season uh, to evaluate a handful of guys. I'm looking at Devin Vassell. I'm looking at Keldon Johnson. Um, hopefully, you know Primo at some point. Yep. I like I like Trey Jones. I like um, Trey Jones too. Yeah, but I think all of those guys are going to be here for a while. Uh, and I, I guess what we can what we can do with the Spurs is there's been a lot of discussion like should the Spurs move off of Dejounte Murray. Um, and I'm kind of in that boat. How do you feel about it? I think it's tough. It's a really, I feel like there's a bigger impact to trading him than we think maybe off, off court, Mm. but I think I'm with you. I think he deserves to go play somewhere where he can win and earn a big payday. And, um, I think that the package that the Spurs could get for him would be, Yep. Good for good for the guys around the team now and the future, potentially. I think this is similar to the conversation that we've had in the past about Chris Wood, yes. where he doesn't quite align with the timeline. And I do think we have to change um, our perspective on the timeline for the Spurs because, you know, we thought maybe, maybe next year. Mm. I don't think that's realistic anymore. Yeah, I don't either. So 
Right now, DeJounte Murray's value is as high as it's ever going to be. True. He's averaging yeah. career highs in most stuff. Right? I think it might be not scoring. I think he's a little lower than career high in scoring. But yeah. I wouldn't bet $5 on him staying past this contract. So No, I wouldn't honestly bet a whole lot of money on him not making some noise towards angling out the door at some point this yeah. year even. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's been some weird movement that direction. And Rich Paul is... He's a he's he's a guy. Let's just put it that way. A bunch of a bunch of guys. That's uh that's Rich Paul. I don't know, man. I I would say the selling high on Dejounte is a, something I'm going to co-sign a lot more than selling high on Jakob right now. Yeah, but I think Jakob is a guy that you consider moving on from after the draft because if you get one of those really high-ranking centers, you, you probably look at moving him after that. I could see that. But then again, he could be the Jared Allen to someone's um, Evan Mobley, maybe. I was going to say, how valuable is Jakob as a mentor, though? Like, I, I feel like he does everything the right way. And having that presence around and as a leader to learn from yeah. is invaluable sometimes. Yeah, because as gaudy as DeJounte's stats have been this season, I kind of still think that a healthy Jakob Brutal is the best player on this team. Most impactful. <clears throat> sure. I'm yeah, and there. what's what's more important than impact? Yeah, no, I, I, you're yeah. you're right. It's semantics, semantics. Yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah. But I I don't know why. I just whenever anybody says best player, I'm thinking of like who do I send out with the on the fucking playground court with the chain link net? Like <laughs> who's my one guy that yeah. can get a bucket then? Like, but I don't know. That's a pretty impractical way to judge best. Especially when your best bucket getter on the team is not that good at getting buckets. Yes. So I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love I love DeJounte. I think there are so many guys on this roster, and I guess I'm circling back to my critique of what Pop and the coaching staff have done this season. There are so many guys on this roster who I think are being either um, blatantly misused or just not being optimized. You can pretty much go down the roster, other than DeJounte and Jakob Bertel. A lot of guys probably aren't in the correct roles. Mm. And you can say, well, you know, they're trying to see what they can do, and maybe this isn't the role they play three years from now, but at, at some point you've got you've to start slotting into who you're going to be. Yep. I think there are some guys that it's probably time to cut, cut, you know, cut bait on. I think, I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty much done with Lonnie Walker. Lonnie's old enough and has been given opportunity yeah. long enough, I would say, to need to have shown more. Yeah. I, I, I'm not quite done because I've seen Lonnie do some incredible things, but I don't watch as much Spurs ball as you do. So I'm 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 willing to be like, yeah, I could see someone being done with Lonnie for sure. I think Lonnie is very much analogous to what you guys have in KPJ. I think the conversations we're having about Lonnie right now are the conversations that either you or some team is going to be having about KPJ in a couple of years where you're like, well, he had that one game against Houston. <laughs> Where he pretty much won the game, and then what did he do for the next two seasons after that? It's yeah. just inconsistent play. Um, you know, I like Lonnie, and I hope things work out for him. But I think it's probably time uh, to to move to move him over. Yeah. You know. So, but the bright spot for this last week or so has been Devin Vassell. Vassell's looked fantastic, man. Yeah. I am uh, very – I would be most pleased as a Spurs fan to see him working out as quickly as he, he has because he was the draft pick last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. Oh. That's incredible growth from year to year. And guess who didn't play a game in the G League last season? Huh. Fucking Devin Vassell. Huh. 
Funny, right? That is funny. So I think, man, Devin Vassell just has so much that you look for in a modern NBA wing, and his game is effortless. His three-point shot has come along so nicely. Yep. It's hit and it's bottom. Pure. It's, it's pure. It's so pure. It's unblockable. He has such high release point. I have very high hopes for Devin Vassell. I'm scared to say exactly what I think he's going to be. <laughs> Just because I, I I I'm I'm committing to managing my expectations from now on. Yes, we've put so much on so many of these younger guys on the Spurs. We're just doing it to ourselves. Like no one in the in the Spurs organization ever told us that fucking Lonnie Walker was going to be Zach Levine. We did that to ourselves. <laughs> no one said that Derek White was going to be Drew Holiday. We did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, we got to We got to be careful. But I am a Devin Vassell believer. And uh, yeah, the kid's awesome. He might end up being the best player on this team when it's all said and done this season with Yach's health and DeJounte, you know, he's awesome, but I, I think I think Devin Vassell is capable of bringing some juice that no one else can. Man, speaking of juice, by the way, I went to Jersey Mike's the other day. <laughs> this is not a sponsored segment. <laughs> And my brain, it could be Jersey and Mike. <laughs> my brain has been kind of mush lately. So, you know, when you go to Jersey Mike's, they put the juice. It's Mike's way. Yeah. I don't know why I was distracted, and I told the guy extra Mike instead of extra juice. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, like, <laughs> cocked his head like he was a fucking dog who'd just been shown a card <laughs> trick. Uh, anyways, Jersey Mike, sponsor us. I've given you guys thousands of dollars over the last few years. You owe us you, at this point. Yeah, I'm you keeping you afloat. bastards. Yep. <laughs> Jimmy John's, nah, we probably won't fuck with y'all. That guy's an asshole. Yeah. Though I will say that blue cheese roast beef sandwich looks pretty fire. I'm probably going to try it. Mm -hmm. um, someone buy me that so I don't have to feel guilty about spending my money at that establishment. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, uh, yeah, I'd be willing to punt on Lonnie. I think you could still get something for him yeah. on, on the, uh, well, what could Lonnie Walker be? train of thought with some GM. You might get something for him. It's not going to be something good. Um, <laughs> you might get one of those Jimmy John sandwiches for him. I would trade him for a Jimmy John sandwich just so <laughs> I could like he's he is his percentage on wide open threes this season has been disastrously low and I don't know what's going he's healthy. He talked an awful lot of shit in the offseason about how Oof. you know he was going to make believers out of people and it's just it's not worked out. Um, he was a little too big for his britches. The other guy who has been a little disheartening on this roster has been Kelvin Johnson. Now, this is like our third consecutive week of me kind of dumping on him. And I'm not dumping on him. I like the kid. Oh, of course. And you're not saying he's a lost cause or anything. No, no, yeah, no. He's still a baby. But. He's, he's going to be a rotation player in the NBA. Is he a starter? Not right now. He's he's starting for the Spurs, but the Spurs re realistically only have like three starting caliber players. Yeah. Devin DeJounte and Yak. I think Keldon is in the wrong role. Uh, he's being misused generally in terms of like what he should be doing offensively, who he should be guarding on defense. And I don't think with his limitations, he's a starter. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, um, you know, Keldon is a guy that Spurs fans will defend tooth and nail and they don't want to accept a lot of the realities about who he actually is. Like, you think about his game, he's, you think about a guy who's going to attack the rim and finish and get fouls. He's a below average finisher at the rim. Uh, he started off the season pretty hot from mid range. 
Since then, he hasn't done much. His three-point shooting has come along, but it's still not above league average. And he's a bad defensive player. Not checking a lot of boxes Not here. check, and he's not a good ball handler. Doesn't pass the ball well. Kind of just a mediocre. He's just a, an NBA player at this yeah. point. Yeah, he's player one. And maybe the thing with Keldon is that the NBA has just caught up with him. Like, he's on scouting reports now, so he's not surprising people with just the... Uh, kind of shocking nature of his game when you go against him for the first time because he was on Team USA. Everyone has watched Keldon Johnson now. Exactly. They know his name at very least. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, maybe maybe Keldon's just, you know, going to have to tweak some more things in this game uh, to compensate for the fact that he is a name in the NBA now. But as of right now, um, he's in that negative. Yeah. So. He's a... Uh... I see a lot of parallels with him and KPJ at the fan bases mm-hmm. as far as the yeah. like, yeah, the, the like defensiveness about him. Yeah. Well, the Spurs have two KPJs. You only have one KPJ. <laughs> <laughs> Man, KPJ is a tough, that's such a tough situation. Houston's in right now. Yeah. Well, it, it'll only get worse too. That's the funny thing. Cause as green gets better, if he stays the same or regresses, it's going to get all awkward personality wise. Sorry, I got us back on KPJ and the Rockets. But what do you see as immediate, midterm, and long-term moves to get things in the right direction for San Antonio? So immediately, I don't think anything actually happens. I think we finish out the season probably about a 300 team, 350. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully they end up with a top five pick. And While that guy still getting popped the record. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Honestly, uh, I think this team damn has you Vegas. I think this team has uh, more room to win more games. They've they've lost some winnable games, but then again, like what we just said about how they they just actually weren't good enough to win those games. Mm. So I don't know, um, but I, I think it, we're just going to ride out the season with the things the way things are going, uh, recalibrate in the offseason, get a good draft pick. Um, you know, see which guys are going to be moved. Hopefully Brian Wright is coming with a little bit different of a philosophy than what the Spurs have done for the last 20 years because I just don't think um, continuity is what you need right now. Things are a little different in the league. Like, continuity is so important when you're a title contender and you don't want to rock the boat. Yes. That's not what the Spurs are right now. No. And I think it's probably time for a leadership change. Like, I'm a, I'm a Brian Wright fan. I'm not talking about him, but I'm talking about Pop and the coaching staff. It's time for a new set of eyes. Hmm. Do you think the replacement is in-house, say a Becky Hammond or or something similar? Or I don't know, man. I don't – I mean, I, I, I would like to see Becky Hammond get the job just for what that means mm-hmm. for the world, but – I have no idea what she is as a coach. I don't either. And I, part of me very cynically is kind of like, I mean, I feel like it would have been kind of on a platter for her and some yeah. of these other opportunities that have come available. And, and I worry that yeah. if, if she's not ready, why force it? But I don't know. The league has just siphoned off so many staffers for the Spurs. They're everywhere now. Like if you worked for Pop, you're going to get a high profile job on another team. Yep. Like, so many pop assistants are head coaches around the NBA, or were very recently head coaches. Like, you look at Bud, Udoka, Brett Brown, just they're everywhere. Um, 
what's his name? Uh, Borrego as well. Borrego. For a while, yeah. Uh, Quinn Snyder was the head coach of the Austin Spurs. Yep. It's just everywhere, man. It's, so. it's, honestly, we as Texas fans should feel a lot of pride in that. The uh, front yep. office of the Rockets has been absolutely yep. emptied bare of some of the more years. Uh, a lot of our G League coaches. And so Chris Finch, who's coaching the hell out of the Timberwolves this season, they yep. finally look competent. Um, but it, It's just hard to survive that kind of asset dream over time. Like, yeah. At some point... It's it's ethically not the right thing to say, no, you can't interview with this team. You're under contract with us. But at some point, you've got to try to retain some of these people. Like, yep. you've worked so hard to develop these coaches, these, you know, even some front office people like Sean Marks, you know, guys like that around the league. So, Presti is a, a pop acolyte. Yep. Big time. I don't know, man. It's just it feels like a lot of that, um, you know, brain trust is gone. And it's just yep. pop by himself. And even the best coach of all time needs a support system, especially when they're, you know, maybe the league has passed them by a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think a fresh set of eyes, even if it's an assistant around yeah. pop or two, would be a helpful thing. I'm with that. Yeah. More modernized shit. I know a lot of <laughs> I know a lot of Houston fans would be like, "We got a great assistant coach for you to take." <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but yeah. fuck them. Me and Steven, me and Stevie Silas, Stevie Wonder, me and Steven Wonder are going to prove you guys wrong. I'll happily take Silas off of your hands. I think he would do wonders with the Spurs roster. I think Silas is a great coach, and I think everyone needs to shut the fuck up. I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm done. I'm done being defensive about Silas. Um, Should we hit on uh, Luke, 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 Luke Walmart? Luke Walmartington? I don't know what I'm doing there. That was bad. I whiffed. I whiffed on a T-ball swing. One of the Walton heirs, Luke Walton. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, Poor Luke got shit-canned again. Now you'll just have to be a millionaire who's ridiculously good-looking in in retirement. So, I mean, Luke, Luke Walton got... Okay, so for those of you who may not know, Luke Walton was fired by the Sacramento Kings today. Alvin Gentry is looking like he's going to be the guy who is at least the interim head coach for the rest of the season. So the Kings in 15 years have had 10 head coaches. They have been the um, just archetype for instability in the NBA and incompetence. Luke Walton, I didn't like that hiring in the first place. I thought getting rid of Michael Malone was insane. Absolutely bananas. And then they hired Luke Walton because he oversaw the Warriors – like a, a huge win streak when Steve Kerr was out with back surgery as if yep. Luke Walton was the mastermind behind <laughs> what was happening with the Warriors. <laughs> but uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Like to suggest that was anything other than Clay, Dre and Steph is pretty hilarious. Yep. Was that even, K- that was a KD Warriors team even, wasn't it? No, I no think that was the 73 win. That was the 73 win Warriors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good Lord. No, that's pretty silly that he, he he's landed two head coaching jobs based on that alone, probably. How much longer can this team toil for the NBA says enough is enough? I don't know that toiling really ever gets onto the NBA's radar. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's got to be some kind of woke woke infraction or like insane racism something absolutely to 11 on the yeah. scale of offensive to get the nba to do anything i mean with the, the, the nba group. stepped in and had fucking hinky fired when he was trying to implement a rebuilding strategy that was working by the way you're right um you know before so guess, yeah the colangelos and everyone stepped in 
Maybe it's just a matter of needing to look like you're trying. <laughs> like maybe like the so kings, the the kings look like they're trying. They're just like they're the just awful <laughs> Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. Yeah. Whereas the Sixers were offensively brash about trying not to. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but you're, you're, something needs to be done. The Kings need. Yeah. Yeah. This ownership group i guess it's a group or is it one i think it's just one controlling guy in sacramento right yeah but how you can look in the mirror and look at this list of coaches coaching changes and how nothing has changed in all of this and you've stayed the same and the record has stayed the same and maybe not think like you don't put two and two together that you're a part of this and it's not Um, like this this franchise has had a dearth of talent over the last 10 years like Look at the team they have right now. They have some decent players. They have some holes in their roster, but they shouldn't be this bad. No, not even close. They should be a mediocre team. Yeah. Fighting for a play-in spot, probably, with this level of roster, I think. So, So, yeah. Um, R.I.P. Luke. Enjoy smoking a bunch of weed with your pops. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll get another job very soon, I'm sure. He'll probably be an assistant in no time. Yeah. I hated Luke Walton on the Lakers. I hated him as a coach. Yep. Um, I'm not going to miss him. No, I won't either. Yeah. But... Still, you know, I feel for a little bit everybody who ends up in the Kings situation. Yeah. (laughs) At some point, people have just got to stop taking the fucking Kings job. Like, you know, we're going through this great resignation thing. Yeah. Where the Kings, like, they have a sign on the arena where they, sorry, we couldn't hold the game today. We couldn't (laughs) get anyone to coach for us. (laughs) Labor strike, coaching staff strike. Yep. No, someone should, something needs to be done about Sacramento or that really wonderful fan base and pretty cool city are not going to have a team much longer. Yeah. Uh, Well, on that uplifting note, shall we call it an afternoon or evening? I believe we should call it, it's still an afternoon, it's 5.30, but it's dark outside because of fucking farmers or whatever the fuck, I don't know how that works. You stupid almanac. Yep. (laughs) All right. Uh, yeah, you know, always uh, put both hands up when you're about to sell a chair shot so that it doesn't actually make contact with your dome. Um, what else? Make sure there is a group of people standing there to catch you when you do a dive out of the ring. Definitely. Um, uh, make it look as if you're cooperating with your enemy yes, at all times. Always. That's yeah. the way to make wrestling real. And um, if you're going to take... A sit down, a sitting power bomb off of anything. Make sure Bubba Ray Dudley is the guy doing it because he will take care of you. He really does. I gotta say, pretty great record. He even yeah. took care of Mae Young. Yep. <laughs> Not as good as Mark Henry did. Ooh wee. Oh, ah, nice one. That's how we're <laughs> wrapping it up. It's sexual, baby. Oh, I want to give it all to you. All right, love you guys. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe. Uh, see you next week. Hi, Mark Henry. Come on the podcast. You you live in Austin. We'll yeah. find you. Undertaker too. Yeah, that'd be fun. I know you used to play basketball. <laughs>